What's up, guys? This is Jacques. Welcome back to Unpopular. I have my little list of hot topics in front of me today, and there's a lot that I want to talk about, including this fucking insane thing that I discovered on TikTok. You will die. Uh, And I'm going to go over some reality TV stuff, uh, probably in the second half of the show, so... If you want to skip straight to that, just check the show notes. Somebody actually messaged me the other day about the Leah interview, and they were like, why didn't you talk more about Housewives with her? Like, shut the fuck up, okay? There's other things to talk about besides Bravo, you fucking loser. But I actually had such great feedback for that interview. Like, it was amazing. Like, besides that one comment, (laughs) everyone loved it. And I will get into the reception and some more insight into all of that on my next Patreon episode. I'm going to record it sometime this week. I'm not sure, but there will be a new Patreon episode coming up with some tea. I also have some... I have something exciting to tell you about one of the Housewives shows. Um, And you know what? I asked people... Uh, for Patreon topic suggestions the other day. And so many of you just wanted me to talk shit about other podcasters. Like, you guys are so shady, I can't deal. (laughs) Like, half the questions that I got were like, can you tell us why you don't like this person? Or can you talk about... It's like, I can't with you guys. And, you know, my last Patreon episode, I actually talked about some COVID stuff, right? Uh, More in detail about how I was feeling about some like just how people are kind of behaving these days and uh you know how it was making me feel depressed and then Leah and I we also talked a little COVID stuff which was very unexpected last episode and I didn't get any backlash from anybody which was good because you never know when you mention the big C these days what you're going to get back so everyone seemed to be able to handle that and I actually recorded this intro for this episode yesterday before I started work and I had a little COVID rant in there but I've deleted it now because I don't I just don't have the mental energy to deal with it like I don't want to be misunderstood uh I mean, I know people will misunderstand you anyway, but I'm just like, right now, I can't handle with people being triggered. I don't want to get stupid messages. I don't want to be labeled anti-vax because I'm not, and I'm getting the vaccination soon, and I just can't even, I just, I'm just right now, I can't deal with it. Like, I didn't even say anything controversial, by the way. Like, it was nothing to do with anti-vax, anti-lockdown, anything like that. Um, It was really just how the pandemic has turned everyone into crazy fucking cult members, and And I'm just really noticing the psychological damage on society right now. I mean, are you guys? Like, I didn't get it last year. Like, I felt like it was going to pass and it would just be like another thing that happened. Because we've had a lot of big shit happen over the last few years. And I felt like... I just thought that that's what was going to happen with COVID and with the pandemic. And now it's, I don't know how much, what is it, a year and a half later, two years later? I don't even know how long has passed, but but there's been some distance. And now I've seen what everyone is like now. And I'm like, wow, this has fucked people up. Like we are, people have lost their minds and we're never going to be normal again. Like this has changed people for good. There's a bridge that has been crossed. We can't go back. I did not realize that people could act like this on mass it's quite shocking uh people have turned into such karens and they are acting like the fucking gestapo you know trying to weed out any dissent we're all turning on each other we're tearing each other to pieces while you know the powers that be are benefiting and i don't mean that in a weird conspiratorial way like i'm just saying about very obvious things like the media is whipping everyone into a frenzy for ratings, which they always do. Like, that's nothing new. That's how the media works. But it's, like, on 10 right now. Like, it's very full-on right now, especially in Australia. You guys have no idea. People here just... They just sit in front of the TV watching the COVID stats all day and getting angry and worked up. And, you know, I work in the media, and some of the stuff that I see just on a micro level is... Very dis- I can't even repeat it publicly, but it's just so disturbing. And then you've got like big tech who are taking advantage of the pandemic and they're rolling out censorship on social media. That is happening. Other stuff too, but I don't want this thing to get off the rails right now. <laughs> and I don't even... Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say right now because people are just... They're in such a frenzied state and if you say anything that 
people feel like even has a whiff of like ambiguity to it or anti-establishment sentiment that registers in people's brains automatically as anti-vax. So for me to just say something like, you know, oh, I don't think the media has handled this very well. Like, you know, I think they've taken advantage of it or I don't, I don't agree with censorship. Someone is like, people will hear that. And in their mind, what they hear is, oh, so you're a 5G microchip anti-vaxxer, are you? So it's like, it's very scary to even just say anything. And it's just so weird. I can't believe what's happened to people. It's like blowing my mind. I feel like I'm in a John Carpenter movie. I think I've said that before. I honestly feel like that. Everywhere I look, people are addicted to this 24-7 news cycle and they're trying to like catch each other out and like turn their neighbors in. It's fucking wild. I just kind of, I can't believe it. Every day I see something new and I'm like, wow, oh my God. I'm like, Jacques, just shut up. Don't say anything. Like, don't rock the boat. These people are crazy. It's a very, like, I get it. It's a scary, unknown thing. We're all locked down. That's making people go nuts, but it's still weird to be in it and to, like, not be one of these people. And, like, I don't even care about the vax. Like, I haven't got it yet. I'm going to get it. We've had a really bad vaccine rollout in Australia. It's just, it's been a disaster. That's, like, a whole other thing. And I was trying to wait it out. Like, last year, I was like, okay, I'm not getting the vax straight away. I'm going to wait. Let's see what happens. Let's see how the pandemic pans out. Let's see, I don't know, maybe they're going to add, like, booster, which, I mean, of course, they're adding the boosters and stuff. But I'm like, let me just wait and see. I'm given up now. I'm done with waiting and seeing. I just want to, like, get it over and done with. I want to shut people up, too. Like, I can't deal with the constant anti-vax paranoia and, the, you know, people turning on each other and judging each other. So I'm hoping that getting it would i don't know it's just i don't want anti-vax stigma because it's annoying like it's not that i'm scared of getting the vax i just yeah you just don't want to get called an anti-vaxxer it's fucking annoying um and look obviously i don't want to get covid and i do believe in the data that the vaccine stops you from getting the covid the serious covid i mean obviously you can still get covid but I, you know, I believe that it mitigates the serious symptoms and all of that. So I want the vax for that reason too. I actually never get sick and the very rare times that I do, I don't handle it well because like I don't like being, you know, out of my comfort zone or anything. So I wouldn't, mentally I wouldn't handle being like down from getting COVID very well. So if the vaccine will help me with that, I'm fine to get it. Uh, And I'm just waiting for it to become a little bit more convenient, uh, you know, closer to my house. I want to get the Pfizer, although I don't know if I'll end up having to just do the AstraZeneca because we don't, the Pfizer's not a wide, I mean, the AstraZeneca is like hard to get here, let alone anything else. So it's just really bad here in Australia right now. Um, People have lost their minds. I don't know how long we've been in lockdown for. Like I've honestly lost count. I don't know if it's like eight weeks or something and- it's just a long I, it's a long time. I forgot what day it was the other day. Uh, I signed in for work thinking it was Saturday because I work on Saturdays and it was Friday. I'm like, oh, like what's going on? And the lockdowns, they get stricter all the time. Like it's since they reinstated the lockdown however long ago, it constantly gets stricter because the the rates are going up. They're not even that high, but anytime it goes up, they're like, we're making it stricter. And people are crazy over it, and you have a large segment of people that, you know, they love the lockdowns, they want the lockdowns to be stricter, they definitely believe that that the lockdowns and that the, you know, the strictest measures possible is what helps, you know, fight the virus. So, you know, they want mandatory masks at all time, you know, indoors, um, you know, they don't want people leaving the houses. They're just full on all about it. And they're angry at the government because they feel like, you know, the government here isn't being tough enough. So they're really angry. But then you have, you know, the people that are like either anti-vax or maybe they're not anti-vax, but they're anti-lockdown and, you know, anti all these measures. And then they're angry at the government because they feel like, you know, well, why are you enforcing us, you're enforcing this in the first place and locking us all down? So it's both sides of the argument are angry at the government and they're angry at each other and they hate each other so it's like it's really bad energy like it's a it's just it's a crazy weird toxic energy in the air right now and i don't feel like i'm either of those groups so it's weird to see it playing out it's total groupthink mode like 
you cannot voice any dissenting opinions right now. I don't mean to sound like I'm some, I don't know, I, I'm I'm not trying to sound like some crazy conspiracy theorist of like, you know, we're not allowed to have opinions because people say that all the time and it's like, you're literally allowed to have an opinion. Like, what are you talking about? But it really feels like right now, like, you need to shut up. And <laughs> it's not just me, by the way. It's like a lot of people I know feel the same way. And these are like normal, rational people, not vaccine conspiracy theorists like i mean i have one friend that hasn't got the vax he's doing the whole like he takes the ivermectin he's like down that path but i have other people that got vax like straight away and are normal and you know got they work for the government like all you know different kinds of people and they feel the same so it's not just like one particular personality type that thinks people have lost their minds it's a lot of different types of people can see that something very weird is going on um And, you know, I believe that the vaccine works. I believe that it does what they say it does. But, you know, I don't believe in, like, shaming and attacking people who are sceptical of it uh, or that they disagree with lockdowns. Like, I think it divides us more. I don't think it helps. I don't think it gets more people vaccinated. It's just kind of bullying and creates division. And I don't agree, by the way, I will say, all these, like, vaccine papers to, like, go to restaurants and stuff, I think is fucked. Like, I think that's nutty. Uh, I don't agree with that. But you you can't even say that here. Like, I, okay, I saw something the other day, and I don't want to give specifics about it on here because this is public, this isn't my Patreon, but there was someone in the public eye, and I don't think that they are anti-vax. Um, yeah, I don't think they were anti-vax. And they just said something on social media about how we should show more compassion towards each other and that, you know, bullying people into things isn't going to help and we should be finding ways to come together and move forward together. And this person was, like, attacked by the media for it. And people were leaving comments on this post and they were like, you know, tell us you're anti-vax without telling us you're anti-vax, which is super crazy because it's like, yeah, that's how people see everything. Like, that's the lens that people look through things. It's very similar to the Trump derangement syndrome where people got so fired up over Trump that every sort of interaction in their life was, well, are you a Trump supporter or are you not? And then it's like you, if the person, say, the person could be drowning grannies in the river and murdering babies, but if they're, like, not a Trump supporter, then they're, like, cool. It's like, that's fine. Or someone could be a fucking charity worker, but they voted for Trump, and it's like, you're evil. So it's like people are seeing things in that kind of binary, and it's the same with the vax thing. So, you know, I'm personally, I'm going to get vaccinated. I'm not anti-vax. But even me saying this, like, someone's going to hear it, and they're going to be, like, suspicious of me just from saying this, like, especially here in Australia. Like, because the Australians have lost it. Like, people are going to hear this and they're going to think that, oh, he's cryptically spreading, like, anti-vax sentiment or something. Like, even though, like, I'm just trying to share with you guys what's happening in Australia from my perspective. And I don't even think of this shit in terms of, like, is the vax safe or not? Like, I think it's fine, I believe, like, most of the mainstream data. Like, there's been things that the media has got wrong, 100%, but, like, I believe the general thing of it's, like, it works, it's effective against COVID. Definitely think people in high-risk groups should be getting it. Uh, I'm not in a high-risk group, but I'm just, I'm going to get it, I'm over it. Um, I'm more concerned about what the pandemic has done to people mentally and obviously the bigger picture of, like, what is this going to mean for censorship and control and just all these other things, like, in the long run. Like, what is the bigger picture and the bigger effect going to be? But people can't even see things from that perspective. They can only see it from, do you have the vax or not? Do you have your mask on or not? And then that's it. Uh Even people that I would think would be, like, more compassionate or more open-minded have, like, drank the Kool-Aid. Like, it's so weird. Like, I can't explain it. It's just crazy here. Like, it is honestly like being in a John Carpenter movie, like I said. Like, it's, it's the intense paranoia of the thing mixed with the pure terror of Halloween and then, like, the social control of They Live. Like, that's what it's like in Sydney, Australia, right now. And the masks are off. I mean, the metaphorical masks, because <laughs> not the not the COVID masks, because like I just feel like I've discovered something about people that I didn't even realize was there. Or it's like I always knew it, but living through it and experiencing it and see it, seeing it happen to people and how they've changed and how they're behaving 
is very confronting. It's very alienating as well. Like you feel like kind of like you're on an island. Like it's just like people are crazy. Keep your head down. Don't say anything. But then it's also nice when, you know, I talk to friends, which I do have plenty of friends that are like totally on the same page as me. And we message each other and we're like, this is nuts. And then that's like quite comforting because you're like, okay, you know, there are not everyone has lost their (laughs) fucking mind. My God. See, I can't even help myself. I did not want to talk about this today because I'm just... It's just too scary with how people are acting right now. And it's getting in Australia right now with the lockdown thing. Like it's kind of, it's escalating constantly. Um, you know, the witch hunting and stuff. So I didn't even, if I delete this, guys, if you're not listening to this, it means it was deleted. Um, but that's just what it's like here. It's a, it's a cult. It's cult mentality. It's scary. I might talk about it more on Patreon at some point. Maybe I'll have one of my friends on and we can just have an uncensored, talk about (laughs) what's happening if you guys want to hear that let me know send me a message um actually i was talking to one of my friends earlier he's in the states it was cho actually who has been on the show he did the frenemies trisha paytas episode with me and he's pro-vax right he was actually one of the very first people to get vaccinated as soon as it rolled out and he's still being called an anti-vaxxer because he is he's against the mandatory like the vax um, you know, segregation of, you know, you can't dine here if you don't have the your vaccination passport. And he's black, by the way, and it's funny because then he has, like, white libs telling him why he needs to support segregation and not be bothered by it. Things are nutty. Um, anyway, let's move on to something else. If you never hear from me again, you'll know that they got me for thought crimes. Um, <laughs> they'll search my computer and find out that I googled ivermectin, like, once six months ago and use it to jail me. Or they'll find out that I took my mask off when I went hiking the other day, even though I was completely alone in the middle of the bush. But yes, uh, I was in the middle of nowhere and I moved my mask down. So if they catch me for that, uh, you know, I'm a goner. It's probably the death penalty for me. So yeah, anyway, let's, let's move on. I can't even. Oh my God. Hi, this is Spencer. And if you guys are wondering what we sound like, I'm going to show you. Hi, this is Bronx. This is what I sound like. What's up? I'm 16 and I am bisexual. Hello, my name is Rex. I'm seven and I'm pansexual. Hi, I'm Max. I'm nine. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Ace. What's up? So, on a lighter note, uh, I found the weirdest thing on TikTok. Before I even go any further, yes, I'm sure that I'm late to this. I'm sure a bunch of you already know about this. I'm sure there's been articles about it. I'm sure there's been podcasts about it. I just found it two days ago because someone I follow retweeted one of the videos in my timeline and it sent me down a TikTok rabbit hole. So... I'm just discovering it and I'm sharing it with those of you who haven't found this yet. And if you already know about it, well, good for you. Don't send me a message going, ah, you're so late to this. We knew about this six months ago. Well, I just found it. So have you guys seen this thing where these like woke teenagers are doing where they think they have multiple personality disorder on TikTok? So it's called DID, uh, Dissociative Identity Disorder is the new name for it. And look, I don't usually like to mock like high school students and college students for being SJWs because it is like low hanging fruit, right? Like most of them will grow out of it. And we all did super cringe things. We all had these like cringy, awful phases when we were teenagers. Like I would die if my whole teen years were, like, filmed on fucking TikTok and Instagram. Like, thank God social media platforms were just coming out then when I was a teen, like, MySpace and shit, because I would not want that documented for all of eternity. And I'm definitely not one of these people that gets, like, outraged over viral videos of, like, a blue-haired feminist in college saying some dumb shit. We all did that. Um... This is all going to come back and haunt Generation Z, by the way, in, like, 10 years. In the same way that, like, my millennial generation, we get haunted by, like, our racist Facebook posts and, like, tweets and shit. So, I just look at it like that. So, I don't usually like to make fun of these people that much. But this fucking DID TikTok thing is amazing. Okay, so, these kids, right, and they all seem to be teenagers or early 20s. They all have, like, rainbow hair and 50 pronouns and every kind of gender you can imagine, and obviously a slew of mental health issues, some real, others made up. Uh, What they're doing now is they pretend that they have dissociative identity disorder. 
So they all have these like other personalities that they pretend are real. And then they film TikToks with all the different personalities. And they're obviously faking it. Like they do not really have DID. There is no way. Like you watch it and it's the fakest, funniest thing ever. Kind of disturbing too. But they have like, even though they're faking it, they've like convinced themselves that they actually do have it. It's like in the same way that they'll make up a new gender and they've convinced themselves that they're this gender that they've just like plucked out of thin air. Like they believe it. Like we know that it's fake. We know that they're like performing it, but they think it's real. And it's the same with this fucking identity thing. And one of my friends, right, he actually is a total SJW. He's in my K-pop group chat, of course. <laughs> surprise, surprise that my SJW friend is like in my K-pop group chat. Uh, I sent one of these videos in the chat when I first found it, I was like, guys, have you fucking seen this? And he was like, have you not heard of DID before? It's a real thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure that identity disorders are a real thing, but 1,000 Caucasian teenage girls with fucking pink hair and 40,000 pronouns didn't all just come down with it in the last six months while somehow being mentally stable enough to film their various personalities for viral TikTok videos. Like, for fuck's sake. By the way, there is... The science is kind of out on this specifically. Like, obviously, there's various types of, like, uh, personality disorders, but in terms of this, like, multiple personality disorder where you're, like, switching into different people and stuff, that that is not scientifically proven as a thing. Uh, I was... I read something up on it before I even did this, and the jury's kind of out. Okay, so let me get into this, these, the the DID TikTok, right? So, by the way, if you want to see it for yourself, I'm going to play some audio clips in a bit, but if you want to see it for yourself, search the alters hashtag on TikTok. So, they all have this, like, specific lingo and different terms that they use for this, right? So, um... And some of the terms that they use are, like, I was searching it up and there are a few psychiatrists that use these things. So, I think some of it they get from, like, real psychiatrists and doctors online that they've researched with personality things. And then other stuff is just slang and lingo that's, like, originated on social media and that they pass around and stuff. So, the way that DID apparently starts is it happens from childhood trauma. So, you have some traumatic event happen in your childhood and then your personality splits into multiples because it can't deal with the trauma. Now, some of these kids have explained that it doesn't even have to be serious trauma. So, we're not talking about like, you know, being abused as a child. It could be that you were seven years old and your parents yelled at you because you broke something because you were playing inside when you weren't meant to and you got in trouble. That could be enough trauma to spawn this idea identity disorder, right? And just so we're clear, I'm explaining this in their terms moving forward. I obviously do not believe this stuff. So, you're traumatized, your personality splits off to help you cope with the trauma, you then become a system. So, the system holds all of the different personalities inside it, and the different personalities are called alters, right? So, then the main alter of the system is called the host, which is kind of like the main person, whatever. So, say Jenny comes down, she discovers it 16 because she's been on TikTok too much that she diagnoses herself as having this dissociative (laughs) identity disorder. Jenny would be the host of the system, like the main person. And whichever alter is active is fronting the system. So, you might have three alters in your system, right? You've got Jenny, Johnny, and Max. And then if you're being Max, that means that Max is fronting the system. So, you're acting as Max in that moment. Now, you can pretty much have unlimited alters within the system. And not all of the alters are active at once, okay? This gets very confusing, guys. So, you can have 100 alters, all right? So, you've got 100 different people inside of you, but only 20 of the alters are active, and then the other 80 that are left over are, like, dormant. So, they're there, but they just, I don't know, they don't activate. So, you can only really switch between the the 20 active ones. And they often give their system a name as well. So, they'll have, like, the angel system or the sage system. They they all, like, if you go on TikTok, right, their usernames are usually what their system is. So, there's one girl that's really popular, Lamb System. So, that's how they name it. And you can also have multiple systems too, which I don't even understand, but you can have... You could have, like, three different systems in you, and then within those systems are, like, dozens of different personalities, okay? Like, it literally, it doesn't end. Like, it does not end. It's the same thing with the genders, how they always come up with, like, some new pronoun or some new identity. They do that with this. So, I could be explaining this for, like, 10 hours, and we probably wouldn't even get to the end of it, because by the time I'd finished explaining it, one of them would have, like, invented a new term that we're adding on. 
Also, the altars within the system, they can be anything, right? So these altars, they can be any age, any gender. They don't even have to be human. Like, people have demon altars and, like, fairy altars, and then they talk in, like, demon voices because they think they're the demon altar. And one super weird thing about it is that almost all of them have child altars. So it'll be, like, a 17-year-old girl, right? And one of her altars is a five-year-old little boy. And then when she switches to the child altar, she will take on the child's personality and start talking in a little boy's voice. And they actually call the child altars littles. So it's a whole thing, right? The, the littles. Also, isn't that sad, right? These teenagers say you're like 17 because the average age of them seems to be from like, I would say like 15 to like 22 or something. So this is the age when you're becoming an adult. Instead of like growing the fuck up, you're actually regressing and acting like a child. Like you're doing age play, which is fucking weird. And do you remember back in the day, these clips would always go viral when we first sort of discovered, like, I don't know, with the internet and shit, like, 15 years ago that you would have, like, adult babies and that was, like, a whole thing. And the first time you see, like, a grown man in a diaper, you're like, what the fuck? This kind of reminds me of that. Um, and I saw one of these people, <laughs> one of these systems, one of the systems with their altars. One of their altars was a pansexual seven-year-old. So, oh yeah, I should have mentioned that, by the way. The altars also, like, they all have, like, different genders and different, like, pronouns. Um, sometimes the altars will be trans. Like, I saw one girl and one of her altars was transitioning to a male. So, when she was fronting as that altar, she was wearing, like, a chest binder and, like, trans things and talking about, like, she's going to start her hormone therapy. But then when she was fronting as one of the other altars, like, there's no chest binder, no trans stuff. They're, like, back to normal. <laughs> um, it doesn't end there, by the way, because the altars within the system, they have different roles. So they have, like, job titles, okay? And I'm not going to read out all the different roles because there's a fucking thousand of them, but... I'll give you the main ones. So, obviously, there's the host that I told you about earlier. That's, like, the main dominant personality. Then there's the littles, which are the child altars, so they're just called littles. Then there is the protector, and the protector is there to protect the system from abuse or aggression. So, I don't know if they're getting bullied or something, the protector comes out. Then there is the caretaker, which has a similar role to the protector, except... The caretaker, like, yeah, the caretaker's not aggressive like the protector is. They just, like, nurse the vulnerable altars and they look after the littles, like a, um, I don't know, like a nurse or a, like a school teacher or like a babysitter. They, they, they care for the vulnerable altars. There's also, um, the persecutor and the persecutor's evil. So the persecutor actually harms the body and will try to harm the other altars. And I guess I take the, I take it that the persecutor is, like, if this person is, like, self-harming, because, look, I'm sure most of these teenagers probably do self-harm because they seem to have a lot of mental health issues. So, I guess that means the persecutor's coming out whenever they're doing anything, uh, I don't know, that hurts their body. Um, There's also a gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper facilitates all the switches between altars. Yeah, by the way, when you turn to a different altar, that means you're switching. So, they'll film these... (laughs) These kids will like film themselves switching on TikTok and it'll be like a really bad impersonation. Like they'll pretend they're doing something and then they'll freeze and they'll like shudder their body. Like it's like a really bad acting audition. And then they'll like change their facial expression and start talking like a British accent. It's so cringe, right? But that's when they switch. So the gatekeeper handles all of the switching. Oh, and a lot of these, (laughs) a lot of these, um, DID people. They also have like wigs and dresses, so they will dress up as the different altars. And I mean, all they're doing is like acting and role playing, right? Like they're not actually mentally ill. I mean, they are, but then they're, <laughs> they're mentally ill in other ways, but they clearly don't actually have like an identity so- disorder. They're just, it's like role playing to the max. Um, you know, they fucking have their identity disorder is um, spending too much time on TikTok and need to get a job disorder. Okay, um, and let me play some audio. From, <laughs> let me play some audio from these people so you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. Because if you've never heard this before, you're probably so lost. You're probably like, "What the fuck is Jacques talking about?" Okay, so right now, visualize these multi-gendered teenagers with piercings and dyed hair and like trans flag headbands. Yes, one of them had a trans flag headband. Okay, 
Let's go. Hi, I'm Candy. I'm going to play passing the phone to someone who hates potatoes. Um, my name's Hiro. I'm going to be passing the phone to somebody that won't shut the fuck up. Hey, that's rude. Oh, hi, my name's Cedar. I'm going to be passing the phone to the most boring altar. <laughs> that's a little mean, but it's kind of true. Hi, it's Ariel. How are you today? Hi, my name is JD. I'm the host of The System. Hey, I'm Kenny. I'm one of the main protectors. The name is kind of self-explanatory. Hi, my name is Junko, and I'm a persecutor in the system. Hi, I'm Tweak. My role is an anxiety holder. I'm Damien. I'm a demon. It's actually pretty common for systems to have altars that are of a supernatural species. My name is Tatum. I'm a caretaker and a soother in the system. I'm Aya, and my role is an Avenger. Not like the superhero kind, but just Avenger. Sup, I'm Eric. I'm a trauma holder. What a fun role. Yo, I'm Christopher. I'm one of the gatekeepers in the system. We also have littles, but we don't feel comfortable letting them on any social media. <laughs> um, I can't even deal. Uh, all right, look, obviously I could go on and on about this forever because it's a it's a deep rabbit hole. It doesn't end. Um, I'm addicted to watching them on TikTok. I don't really even use TikTok usually, by the way. Uh, I don't think – I had it downloaded in my phone. I don't even know if I had an account, but when someone tweeted this in my timeline and I looked at it, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I'm like, I wanted to find the person's account to see more of it. And then I made my account on TikTok and now I just can't stop watching them, right? I did see one on there and it was this teenage boy and he didn't want to go to work, right? So, he's talking to the camera and he's like, you know, I really didn't want to go to work. But then I talked to my my alter Johnny and then my other alter Ace and they said they were going to help out for the day and they were going to help me out and like go to work for me. And he's like, I love my system. They're just always there for me. Which is, like, sad because I'm thinking, okay, do you have no friends? Is that what the situation is? You don't have any friends, so you kind of, like, it's like when you make up an imaginary friend, except they're doing it in the form of a mental health issue where they have different people living inside of them. And these kids, they have a lot of fucking views. Like, it's not that niche. Like, some of them have over a million followers. They're the the main ones. But then a lot of the other ones have, like, 100,000 followers. I was reading comments on their posts, and a lot of people, like a lot of the other kids on TikTok, they take it seriously. So they're commenting and they're asking questions about DID and about the alters, and they're almost like... They're fans because they seem to know a lot about the different alters because I guess they follow everything these DID influencers do on TikTok. So they'll be like, oh, my God, it was so funny when, um, you know, you switched to Ace and Ace is so protective over the littles. Like, they're really into it. One of the more popular DID TikTokers, I think I mentioned her earlier, her name is Lamb System. She's kind of my favorite because she's the cringiest and she's really committed to it. I scrolled down to the bottom of her account, right? And she had all of these generic TikTok videos that like didn't have any views. They weren't about DID. It was just um, like normal TikToks where you're doing like a TikTok dance or something and no one cared. And then at some point she did a DID video That had a lot of views, and then every single post after that was just about DID, and then her account blew up. So, of course, a lot of them doing this is about getting the validation and getting the followers, because it is a popular trend on TikTok now, so... And I guess getting all that validation from it, from all of these people, just, like, fuels the delusion more, because I guess it makes them feel like it's more real, because everyone is affirming it constantly, uh... Or maybe some of them even know that they're, maybe some of them know that it's bullshit and they're just doing it for the clout. Although I don't know if they're that smart. They're pretty cringe. I feel like they've convinced themselves that it's real. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if this does get bigger because it seems to be gaining a lot of steam on TikTok for sure. And when I, I just punched into Google News before and a couple of articles popped up. So usually once that hap- once that happens it's only going to take like buzzfeed or something um or new york times to do like a big story on it and then it's probably just going to like catch on fire and you know i'm not surprised cuz it's like 
At some point, being transgender and being non-binary just isn't shocking enough, and you have to find that next extreme identity to take on so you can be, I don't know, extra oppressed or special or stand out, because fucking if everyone around you is, like, suddenly being non-binary, then what can you do to, like, one-up them and stand out? Oh, I have DID, I have, like, a thousand personalities, and one of them's pansexual, and this other one's trans, and then this one has autism. Yeah, they do that. Some of their alters will have like intellectual disabilities and be like neuro neurodivergent so it's endless they can basically invent any kind of oppression or affliction or disorder that they want and like put it on one of the different alters and a lot of them seem to be transgender kids i will say which to me makes me think you probably weren't trans to begin with uh and you're probably just cycling through different genders and different identities the lamb system girl that i mentioned before like she says that she's been formally diagnosed with DID by a doctor. Now, I don't know if she's lying, so it looks like she has more credibility to her followers, but that would not shock me uh, if she did get some bullshit diagnosis for this from a doctor because there's plenty of reports over the years where doctors and psychiatrists feel pressure to affirm, you know, uh, people coming in with, like, gender issues and stuff. It's They're not supposed to question it. It can be seen as transphobic, so they feel like if you walk in and you say, oh, I feel like this... You've just got to go, oh, yep, that's your transgender. So if they're doing it for that, why wouldn't they be doing it for other stuff? If kids are coming in going, oh, my God, I have all these different personalities. Maybe the doctors feel like they have to affirm that as well. Um, So I guess that's something to look into by someone else that's better at doing these things than me. And, you know, obviously a lot of this is just people being on the internet too much, which we're all guilty of, especially myself. (laughs) But, like, yeah, watching some of these kids, I just feel like they don't have any friends in real life and then they turn to social media for the validation and then they're either creating alters to be their friends and keep them company or they're just doing it so they can make friends online and get validation through that. Uh, You know, like I mentioned earlier, there was that kid that, said that his alters got him through work because he was too exhausted to go to work. So, the alters came and and filled in with him. Uh, So, it's just a weird, it's just fucking weird and funny as hell. I don't know how seriously to take the whole thing. Like, I don't know if it's going to be like this next wave of, you know, if it's going to be some dangerous thing that's coming out or if it's just like funny because it is fucking funny. Like, I can't stop watching them. Like, I'm kind of obsessed. If you want in on the fun... Go to TikTok, search the alters hashtag or the uh, dissociative identity disorder hashtag, but the best stuff is in the alters hashtag. You'll see what I mean. And yeah. And if there's any mums out there listening with teenage age children, maybe check their phones, see if they are, see if they're down DID TikTok. I swear to God, I was watching these today. Uh, and my housemate was like, what the fuck are you watching? And I explained it to him and he was like, I would. I don't know what I would do if I had a kid that started doing this. I'm like, yeah, I don't know either. Like, I'll become Amish or something, like remove their phone and move to the middle of nowhere. I mean, how? I don't know if I'd be more worried for their mental health or I would just be like, oh, my God, my kid, my child is so fucking cringe. Like, I can't believe, like, I'm cool and this is what my fucking child turned out to be. Like, why did I even bother? I don't know. Embarrassing. I don't think I'm going to have kids especially after seeing this. I think that's off the table now. Before I was like, maybe I will have a have a kid someday. Now I'm like, you know what? If they're going to turn into a DID TikToker, I'd rather just remain childless. Okay, let's get into some Real Housewives and reality TV. All right, so the last episode of The Real Housewives of New York, some people said it was the worst episode they've ever seen. I disagree. I actually thought it was pretty good. So Ebony held this black Shabbat dinner, which was like black and Jewish people coming together. And it was another educational sermon. You know, Ebony was ready to to preach and educate people about the oppression of the Jewish people and how it intersects with uh, black people. And then Ramona showed up and completely destroyed it, which was fantastic. She was totally rude and insane. And she turned the whole dinner on its fucking head And I was just like, thank God for Ramona. I mean, she makes this show. She's incredible. Brian Moylan, okay. I don't want to bash on Brian Moylan because he's a nice guy and he's very talented, but he recapped the episode. And I don't know if he feels like he needs to now be like a double dip, like going in on the problematic housewives because, you know, Ebony called him out with that 
nasty medium response, which was supposed to look like a like a fair rebuttal when really it was trying to make Brian kind of look racist. But uh, <laughs> that's what Ebony loves to do. But he recapped the episode and he was calling Ramona a monster. And then he finished the review saying, like, it's time to put a stake through her heart. And usually that would be kind of funny, but he was saying it in, it sounded like he was semi-serious. I thought, okay, dude, like, first of all, a man talking about putting a stake through a woman's heart, like, not a good look. Also, it's the fucking housewives and it's funny. It's not that serious. Like, get over yourself. So, I kind of thought that was actually quite pathetic. And Ramona is carrying this damn show. Also, um... Fucking Sonia was very outrageous at this dinner too, but everyone piles on Ramona. It's like Sonia was almost worse than Ramona in some ways, and I don't know how Sonia gets away with it. People just have their blinders on with 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 Sonia and just love everything that she does automatically, which I don't get. Uh, also, it was very weird to me how Ebony actually took over this Jewish storyline because obviously that's Leah's thing, like Leah's converting. Uh, If you listen to my interview with Leah or you've listened to other interviews with Leah about it, she's serious. I mean, I can tell you she's serious about it. It's not just a storyline. And then Ebony coming in and being like, I'm making a black Shabbat, which is such a niche thing. And it's like she wanted to make a way to make, because she's not Jewish, she wanted to make that about herself. So she made a black Shabbat. And it's like she wants to dominate and monopolize every kind of social issue and identity on the show. So... That was really strange. I can't be the only person that noticed that. Also, she had this Jewish woman at the dinner, and they did a Instagram live together, which I watched. It was a hot mess. They couldn't work out the, they couldn't work out how to do the IG live properly for like ten minutes, and Ebony sounded annoying. Like it's it, Ebony sounded annoyed. I heard her like snap at her friend or whatever while they were trying to figure it out. And the woman was on the IG live. She was super drunk. She was so obnoxious. And then someone mentioned Palestine, and this woman, this Jewish woman like scrunched up her face like she's obviously like a rich white new york liberal jew that hates palestine and (laughs) i feel like that's probably ebony's real friend group like we know that ebony runs in the same circles as jill zarin she's obviously friends with this lady we know that her ex was some rich white jewish guy like ebony's not out here breaking bread with malcolm x's cousin okay like she's not going to black panther rallies she's hanging out with like rich white jewish elites in new york so that's quite funny um the real housewives of beverly hills so i felt a little bad for garcelle because we all know that garcelle asked Erica some questions and she put her foot in it, which she didn't mean to do. And I think that Garcelle was set up a bit. I think the producers went to Garcelle and they said, can you ask this? And Garcelle did it in good faith, thinking that, oh, I'm just doing this for the show. They want me to ask something uh, because Garcelle does do that a little bit. Um, Garcelle is basically Lisa Rinna, which I'm going to get to in a moment. But Garcelle got her head bit off for it, and I kind of felt bad for her. Uh, She was definitely set up by producers on that one. And Lisa Rinna was giving it to Garcelle, which was hilarious. Rinna's like, well, can you own any part in this? Can you own it? Like, she was giving Garcelle a taste of her own medicine. Lisa Rinna was like, see, bitch, this is what happened. You do what the producers say. You ask the questions. You stir the pot because you're trying to make a good show. And then it blows up in your face and everyone piles on you. Like, Garcelle's fucking piled onto Lisa Rinna. Garcelle has made a non-existent storyline of the, hmm, I don't trust you because of Denise Richards. She's carried that on all fucking season, giving Lisa Rinna shit. So Lisa Rinna in this moment was like, hmm, can you own it, Garcelle? And then Garcelle, because she's so delusional, is in her confessional and she's like, I thought that my friend Lisa Rinna would give me the benefit of the doubt. Um, you haven't given Lisa Rinna the benefit of the doubt. You've purposely not given her the benefit of the doubt all season because you want to, like, drag this Denise thing because, by the way, Garcelle was not even Team Denise. She was Team Denise after she looked at the tweets and realised that it was, like, the side that she should be on to get the fans on her side. So I loved Lisa Rinna for that, but I'm not really mad at Garcelle. I actually, honestly... I forget that Garcelle and Dorita on the season. Like, I got a little bit annoyed at Garcelle at the beginning with the Kyle thing. Since then, I forget she's on the show because she actually doesn't really do anything and Dorit is invisible. What they need to do with Dorit is they've got to get rid of her after this season, 100%. I know she has some drama coming up with Garcelle, but at this point, that's not enough to save you. They need to get rid of Dorit and then put her 
away for a few seasons and then bring her back in like three years or something when the fans will be hungry to see her again and she will be hungry to make some drama happen and to like get in the mix like when she came onto the show and she came in hot and she was poking and and prodding and making stuff happen she needs to do that I think people will see her with fresh eyes and they'll be like the the queen Dorit's back but for now it's like Dorit's just fucking dead weight on this show and um also, uh, back to Garcelle, right? Garcelle is so paranoid. She thinks about this show more than anybody else because after Erica was upset, so Erica's crying about her court case and the legal thing and she's having a breakdown and she goes outside and some of the other women follow her, like Dorit follows her, Rina and Kyle because they're all friends with her. And Garcelle, I can't remember what Garcelle said verbatim, but she's like on, she was, she pulls Crystal aside and she's like, see this, um, this looks bad. They're on her side and now we're on this side and we look like this and crystals like it's i don't think there's sides like i think they just went out to comfort her because they're friends and garcelle's like no there is garcelle is so paranoid garcelle sees this more as like a survivor game than anybody else which is garcelle's like the most inauthentic one on this show pretty much um and even if you look at her in different interviews she's always like uh this person was coming for me. I know they're going to they're gonna come for me. Uh, Lisa Rinna didn't say this because she knows I'm going to come for her. Like, she thinks of everything as a survivor. And I know they all do to some extent, but Garcelle does it the most. Garcelle is essentially Lisa Vanderpump. Like, she does poke. And Lisa Rinna kind of acknowledged this in one of the confessionals about what Garcelle does when she pokes and prods at people and, and stirs the pot a bit, but then she can't take any accountability when she does it. Garcelle is Lisa Vanderpump 2.0 saying it now and she's hyper paranoid and you'll see it more as the show goes on because I know that I'm right. Um, oh, also again with Garcelle. So the fans on Twitter, the Beverly Hills fans, they are the most delusional fandom. Beverly Hills fans and Bachelor fans are the most delusional, deranged house uh, reality TV fans that you will ever find. And they've invented this fake narrative where Garcelle hates Erica and is coming for Erica because, you know, they all hate Erica, right? And they love that Sutton's coming for Erica because Sutton actually is and Sutton's asking questions and Sutton's not following... Sutton's not supporting her because, I mean, Sutton's not her friend. Like, Sutton hasn't known her. The other women have known Erica for years, so they have a different relationship with her. Sutton is taking a different approach. Well, Garcelle is like Team Erica as well. If you look on social media, Garcelle has supported Erica, even in this episode when she kind of asked the question, which, again, I think she was set up by producers to do it. She felt genuinely remorseful and really bad for hurting Erica, And she likes Erica, but the fans on Twitter are pretending that Sutton and Garcelle are, like, coming for Erica. It's like, Garcelle's friends with Erica. These people are literally insane. They're not even watching what the show is. They have their idea of, like, they cast people in certain roles. Like, they have their idea of what Rinna is and what Garcelle is. And then it doesn't matter what happens on the show. They just put that into their own fake narrative they're mentally ill like they need help i've never seen people that are on more of a different planet than these beverly hills fans uh also they had some racial moments on beverly hills and this was actually good finally a race conversation on the housewives that's natural and it's real and we actually get something out of it so crystal and garcelle both shared their experiences as people of color garcelle had a really great bit about how um you know teaching her sons about police brutality and she was really emotional about it and it really resonated and they had an interesting conversation because kathy hilton and it was kathy hilton i think maybe sutton i don't know was saying how they don't see color and When the older generation say they don't see colour, they're not meaning it in a racist way. Like, that's literally how they were raised. So they were taught, like, there was so much racism in the previous, you know, in their parents' generation that now it's like, you don't see colour, we're all equal. Whereas now where we are currently, it's like, no, you do see colour and it's more, like, intersectional and you think about how people have different experiences depending on, you know, their gender or their race. So that's where we are now. And some of the older generation, like Kathy Hilton's generation, Uh, with that because they've been taught not to see colour. So they had an interesting conversation about that and it didn't turn into finger pointing and trying to call people racist. It was like educational. It was sincere. It was genuine. It was 
people from different perspectives coming together. You guys know that I also enjoyed the race conversation on OC when they, it was Kelly and Broman and Gina, and they were talking about Black Lives Matter and statues. That was interesting and real. So completely different to what Ebony does on New York. It's like night and day. So they did a really great job with that. And Dorit put her foot in her mouth with a pretty out of touch statement. She was like, um, uh, you know, uh, my children have been, <laughs> Dorit was like, you know, my children have been raised by uh, dark skinned people and my mother's best friend is black. And Garcelle's like, so basically your help are all black. Like the help, you don't have any like non-white people in your life except the help. Dorit just sounded like an idiot, very out of touch, very kind of classist statement. I mean, that's why we don't want these women really talking about race because they have no idea what they're talking about. Like, <laughs> so I would rather like not hear from it, but it was funny. Cause it was a, that was a real foot and mouth moment. And it was kind of, it was just funny to see, especially cause I don't like Dorit. So I was like, ha, all you stupid Dorit fans that defend her black and blue, especially the woke fans. Now look at your girl. And yeah, but it was a, um, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. It's, it's a fun season. So Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, they dropped their second season trailer. This is the most overhyped housewife show ever. You guys know that I was like the OG Salt Lake City truther. When every Housewives podcast was saying it was the greatest thing they've ever seen, I came out and I was like, this is actually whack. Like, this isn't good. So I can split the trailer into two halves, right? So a lot of the season in the trailer looked boring and fake, like season one, okay? Didn't look that good. But then there's this whole other part that was like fucking incredible because they're talking about Jen Shah's arrest and the Mary Cosby cult stuff. And that's like full on storylines. They're addressing it. So my prediction for the season is that the Jen Shah and Mary stuff will be amazing because it's real and it's juicy and it's going on and we all want to see that. But then there's going to be this other kind of like fake contrived stuff and people being over the top and thirsty and it's just going to be like cringy and boring like season one so I think it's going to be a real hit and miss season but I think people are very primed right now to be obsessed with Salt Lake City so even if it is boring people will pretend that it's amazing uh but people are overhyping Meredith already people like Meredith's bringing it because she has like one scene where she tells off Jen Shah uh and Also, Meredith starts quoting her catchphrase, the disengaging, whereas when she was saying I'm disengaging in season one, it was like genuine. But now that she knows that it's like a meme and she sells T-shirts with disengaging in this scene, she yells out, she goes, I'm disengaging. It's like, okay, wheeling out the the catchphrase now. It's not it's not that great of a show. Um, Jen Shah, I'm turning a corner on Jen Shah. Like, obviously, she's a horrible person. Right. But last season I was like, she needs to be off the show. She's too fake and now I'm almost I don't know it's funny because even with this whole arrest thing going on with her and her life so she's about to be fucking locked up for being a scammer she's still being the same thirsty attention-seeking Jen Shah that she was in season one like it's no different and she's they show a scene and she's obviously meeting with her lawyer and she goes uh do I need to get Kim Kardashian on my legal team? Which is kind of funny, and that she's still even making jokes like that and being thirsty right until the end. So, you know what? Good for you, Jen Shah. Um, They have a new housewife. She's Asian. I'm loving all the new Asian housewives, (laughs) honestly. I liked Tiffany Moon. Uh, I love Crystal. Crystal's my favourite on Beverly Hills. Now we have Jenny. I don't know. Jenny seems real thirsty. Jenny seems like she'll fit in to Salt Lake City in terms of that she's just, like, fake and over the top. So, I don't know. I didn't get a great impression from the trailer, but we will see. Uh, The cast for the next Real Housewives mashup, it is not called All Stars. Please stop calling it All Stars. It's not called All Stars. It never was called All Stars. People made that up on Instagram, so stop. Uh, It's called Housewives mashup, which I actually think is a terrible name as well. I think All Stars is a bad name. I think mashup is a bad name. The cast for that is out. It is leaked. I think it's true. I think it's accurate, the reports that are out there, even though Bravo themselves haven't confirmed it. 
Uh, I'm going to talk about that on Patreon this week. Sorry, you guys, but I've got to pay the bills. I'm trying to get some money together so I can leave this insane country with the lockdowns. And literally, I've had it with Australia. Usually, I defend Australia. I've always been the biggest Australia defender. I'm always like, Australia's way better than America. It's better than so many other countries. I'm proud to be Australian. Australia is incredible. Well, fucking Australia is whack now. I hate it. It sucks. I hate everything about it and I want to leave. So sign up to the Patreon if you want more of my thoughts and you want to support the show. It's the uh, cost of a cup of coffee a month. So I watched the Hills finale. That was boring. Nothing happened. Uh, You know what's funny? I have been recapping the Hills on my Instagram stories, which I actually don't know why I haven't been recapping it here on the pod because it comes out like two days or something before I actually record my pod. So it's actually perfect timing, whereas a lot of other shows air on the Monday and I don't get around to like Potomac and The Bachelor and stuff. So I probably should have been covering the hills here, but really nothing happened. It's easier for me to make fun of it on Instagram than it is to do a proper recap. Uh, Yet nothing happened. Like literally nothing happened. It was interesting. They had this really beautiful-looking party at the Pratt Daddy retreat. So Spencer and Heidi had this retreat to flog their crystals and to do a healing retreat, and it looked amazing. Like, the way that they film this show is spectacular. The filming for this show actually kind of makes up for how boring it is because it's just shot so beautifully. The cinematography, it's incredible. I'm watching it, and I'm, like, seeing these shots of the food and the lighting that they set up and the angles, and I know that... To get shots like this, the show has to be, like, more produced and more fake. But I wouldn't be mad if they did this sort of filming style over on Bravo or something. It looks incredible. It makes me mad that I haven't been watching Siesta Key. I wish that I'd gotten on the Siesta Key bandwagon years ago because that looks like a good show. And just, oh, my God, it looks beautiful. And there is something about the hills that's very nostalgic. So even when it's boring, it's, like, fun to watch. And... I don't know. The premise of it is they've got a good show in there somewhere. If they can just get the casting right and the storylines right, it will be a fucking killer show. So I don't know if it's going to come back. Spencer, when he came on my podcast, said that it's not coming back and that it's cancelled, but maybe he was just feeling heated at that stage. So maybe, I don't know. We all know he's filming his own show anyway, but I got through the hills. There's something about it. And you know what? I get a lot of engagement when I post about the hills, which is weird too, because the ratings are in the toilet. Nothing happens. No one cares about it. But whenever I put it on Instagram, like everyone kind of has an opinion and they share, they share those stories and they reply to those stories a lot more to, uh, than other shows. Cause I recap a lot of shows on my Instagram actually at unpopular JP, basically in the evening after work, when I'm watching TV and we're in lockdown here, I just film it and give my commentary and and post. And people really love when I cover the hills. Um, The Bachelorette finished. That's kind of old news now. It's a week old. She picked Blake, who I love. My man, Blake, he is, he's a real man. He was on Instagram like today doing a photo shoot, showing off the full dad bod, sexy as hell. He looked way hotter with the dad bod than with a chiseled body. And you know what? We're doing more diversity in the Bachelor franchise now. Let's get a few dad bods. Not all dad bods, but Let's get some curvier chicks and some dad bods, because I like to see it. Um, Blake was the best one on that show. I've loved him since Claire's season. Uh, That was a fucking great season, honestly. That was one of the best seasons that I've seen in a few years. Now, the ratings were really bad. The ratings dropped significantly, and they do drop every year, but this was like actually a big drop. And I wonder how much of it was due to Chris Harrison uh, leaving. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if people really boycotted it or not, but I've said this a million times. Tasia and Caitlin were fantastic, as especially Tasia. Like, Tasia's an amazing host, and I don't care if Chris Harrison comes back or not at this point, because I feel like it's time for Tasia to take over. And one thing I did notice as well was that they have a lot less Instagram followers this season than before. So Blake, when last time I checked, Blake, who's won the show, he only has 456,000 IG followers. Zach, who won Tasia's season last year, he has 662,000. And you would think Blake would have more because Blake has been on two seasons of the show now because Blake was on last season and he went through with Claire and then he went through a few episodes with Tasia and then he came back this year and he won it with Katie. So you would think that from two fucking seasons, he would have more followers than Zach. So it's interesting to see that the engagement is down and 
if you're into the bachelor world, right, which I am, Instagram followers and engagement and stuff is like a really big part of it. Like you pay attention to who's getting the most IG followers. There are literally accounts that are devoted to who's gaining the most Instagram followers each week and how much airtime they had and how much that correlates with their social media. It's like this whole other thing. So I thought that was interesting. Bachelor in Paradise premiered tonight. I would love to recap it. You guys are lucky. The people out there listening that have no interest in the Bachelor franchise, you're lucky that all the episodes air on the day that I put the pod out so I can't really recap it because this would probably just be a Bachelor podcast because I love it so much. Um, Bachelor in Paradise from the trailer, it looks good. I don't think it'll be better than the last two seasons, which were kind of out of control. Like, they had a witch on one of the seasons. Like, they went on a literal witch hunt. They thought someone was doing witchcraft. Um, (laughs) It was so good. But this season's going to be fun. Kenny is naked. You can look up Kenny's nude photo. So, Kenny had a nude photo scandal when he was on The Bachelor last year. He arrives to Paradise naked. I saw in the trailer he's sexy as hell. He has a nice wiener. He has a nice body. So, yum. Demi is back. She's causing tons of shit in the in the trailer. Demi is the villain from Colton's season. And then she came back for Paradise. And then she brought in a woman from that wasn't even from The Bachelor into Paradise and they were lesbians together. It was honestly so fake. I didn't buy it for a second, but she got so much press from that. She was going on like Good Morning America and getting all these all these media opportunities of like, uh, finally a same-sex Bachelor relationship. Like it's not even a fucking same-sex show. It's about straight people. Like do you have to make everything gay? But anyway, Demi is a master at the media. She knows how to play the game. So good for her. And I love that she's back and causing shit. She's like the ultimate bachelor villain. Some people are sick of her. I'll never be sick of her. I love her. Um, someone throws a cake in the fire. I saw that in the trailer. People are crying. David Spade is hosting it along with a few other guest hosts. They need to have Tasia hosting the show, like I said. And Tasia suits the Paradise vibe. She just looks... I mean, I can just imagine her there in like bikinis and stuff and just, you know, like summery dresses hosting. She is the new Chris Harrison. I'm telling you, I love Chris Harrison. I think he was ousted unfairly. I think that was bullshit what they did to him. I hope he sues The Bachelor. I hope he gets money from The Bachelor. But in this new era, Tasia is the new Chris Harrison. So they need to support her. And I am just cannot wait to watch the Paradise premiere. If you're not into Bachelor, if you've never watched it before, just start with Paradise because it's like like Love Island or Too Hot to Handle or whatever, but honestly way better. So you probably can watch it without knowing the show. And I'll probably, I don't know, maybe I'll talk about it on Patreon. I don't know how much I'll be able to recap it here because of the timing issues. Uh, The White Lotus finale is tonight as well. Look, everything's on tonight. Potomac's on tonight, Bachelor in Paradise, and the White Lotus finale. Okay, so obviously I haven't seen the finale yet. We're a few hours away from it airing here. But I've just loved this season. I think it's incredible. It's been such a great critique of, like, classism and privilege. And finally, in a way that tackles these issues without being full of all this, like, woke ID poll bullshit that you see on the other mainstream shows, I'm, I want to reference one to go, it's not like that, but I don't watch them because they're all so fucking lame. I don't know, Mindy Kaling or something. What do people watch now, these woke shows? Someone kept telling me to watch this show about... I don't know, it's like trans, pe- trans people in the 80s. But I was like, oh, I, I can't, honestly, because I already feel like I know what it will be. But this is brilliant. And they do have a lot of the intersectional stuff on the show, which, like, is valid, obviously. Like, I believe in it, just not in the way that kind of Hollywood presents it. But they don't ram it down your throat. And, you know, the way they do it, right, so all of the hotel workers are minorities or, like, you know, people of colour or queer or whatever, and then the guests are all white, so they're the white privileged out-of-touch guests, but they flip the script on a couple of characters, which is important. So one girl played by that actress, um, Alexandra, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Alexandra Daddario. I know she's got big titties because I saw her in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, like, 10 years ago, and they had a lot of shots of her in, like tight, like a tight singlet running around. So I just know her for having this killer body. I guess she's like a proper actress now. Isn't that funny? She goes from like a straight to DVD Texas Chainsaw flop to being like a critically acclaimed actress, I assume, with, you know, Connie Britton and stuff. But she's on the show and she, obviously, she's white and she's married to this rich trust fund douchebag, but she is from a working class background, her character is. So she kind of sees 
through all of the bullshit of this world, of these privileged people. She's like an alien in their world. So you kind of watch the show through her eyes, a lot of it. And then on the flip side, they have these two college girls who are these super woke, as social justice, like sardonic teenagers. One of them's, you know, POC and she's super woke and she goes to some fancy arts college and she has all of these made up mental health issues and, you know, gluten intolerances and shit. And on the show, she convinces this Hawaiian worker on the island. He works at the at the resort that they're staying with. She convinces him to steal something from the rich family that she's staying with, and she thinks she's being really radical, but she's totally doing it from this place of privilege that's at no risk to her. She's like the ultimate slacktivist because she's not putting herself in the crossfire. She's putting this poor kid in danger just so she can feel like she's, you know, dismantling white supremacy or something. And then, of course, it all goes pear-shaped. On the second last episode, he gets busted pretty much. Again, I don't know what happens on the finale, but that's funny because it highlights that type of person and that it's not just white people that act like this. (laughs) It can be anyone. So, he, Mike White has just done such an incredible job on this show. It's my favorite thing. Um, I don't know how it's all going to wrap up. I already saw some people complaining about it on Twitter. I don't think it really matters how it ends because it's already succeeded in what it's set out to do, which is to be this brilliant social satire. I hope it doesn't pull a mayor of Easttown on us and drop some really convoluted like twist at the end as a payoff because some HBO executive thinks that you know, all viewers need that shit now. I'm sure it won't because they haven't done anything like that throughout the series. And a lot of people complained that it was like too boring. They're like, why isn't there more of a plot? Like a lot of people didn't even get it. So I don't think they're going to do that in the the final hour, but nothing would surprise me from Hollywood. Uh, They have greenlit season two, which is exciting. Uh, It's going to be a whole new cast and a new setting, but it will still be a White Lotus resort, but like a White Lotus somewhere else. That is going to be really fun. I thought they might keep the same setting and that they would keep Armand in some capacity as the resort manager because he was so great. But I guess they do need to freshen it up. It might be a little bit repetitive if they did the same location, so they need to just completely switch gears, especially because as high as it did rate, and I know that it was like the number one HBO Max show every episode, but some people did complain that it was boring, so yeah, they've probably got to switch things up. Um, Yeah, look, that's it for this week. Next week, I have Janet Roach from The Real Housewives of Melbourne on that's a good one, you guys. I recorded with her a few hours ago. It was her birthday, and she just had some champagne, so she was loose-lipped. If you don't watch The Real Housewives of Melbourne, I'll tell you now, she's like the Lisa Rinna of Australia. Maybe even more so, because she's so unfiltered. She's fucking brilliant television. Like, if you've watched The Housewives of Melbourne, you know that Janet kind of makes that show. Like, she's sort of... I mean, people love Gina. Gina's like the queen bee, but really, like, Janet's the queen bee because <laughs> Janet gets all the shit started. You know, when when people are not carrying their weight, Janet's in there to, like, drop a bomb, and she's amazing. And, um, yeah, so I think that's going to be fun. That's next week. And I also have a new Patreon episode coming out. I don't know what day, but it will be out in the next few days, next two or three days. And if you want to support me and the pod, please sign up at patreon.com slash unpopularjp. The link is in the show notes. Uh, Oh, and shout out to my latest patrons, Ben, Amanda, and Ashlyn. Seriously, the support means a lot, and I'm trying to get the fuck out of Australia. I want out of Australia next year, honestly, and we need to start a a new life somewhere. So, guys, help me out. And, yeah, that's it. Follow me on social media at UnpopularJP on Twitter and Instagram. I will be back next week with Janet Roach and... Look, have a great time in America. I know you're not locked down again yet, so enjoy it while you can. And for my fellow Australians that are living in this police state, um, just do the best that you can because it's fucked. (laughs) Bye.